0: Hey, what's up everybody? It is, uh, let's see, uh, Wednesday, March 23rd, 2016. This is the Promotional Malpractice live chat. Um, Thank you for joining me. My name is Luke Thomas. So I am very much under the weather. I've been under the weather for a couple of days. As you can see, my nose has just been rubbed raw, uh, although I did get a fresh haircut this morning. So I apologize for how I'm going to sound today. Uh, I'm probably going to be phlegmy. My eyes are watering. Um, but this is the best I've looked in three days, if you can imagine that. Um, so I am so sorry for that. I just want to state it up front, but there's not much I can do. Um, today on the podcast, we're going to talk about, let's see, um, obviously, MMA in New York is tremendous news. Uh, any upcoming fight news you want to talk about? Uh, Mark Hunt's win over Frank Mir from The Brisbane Show or whatever you want to talk about. It's all uh, up to you. Best place to get your comments in. God, my eyes are watering is uh, on the comment section for MMAfighting.com. So um, give this video a thumbs up, a like, a share, a comment. I would really appreciate it. It makes me so happy. Um, And, you know, it's a good thing to do as a good person. And then, of course, you can go to iTunes.com slash promotional practice. You can leave a nice review there as well. Uh, No soda, as you guys know. I'm trying to cut that out of my diet. I got just some Propel water. Uh, And my Keylor novice jersey that my wife got back from colombia she went on vacation to see her well not vacation so much she went to go see her family and she got this jersey and she goes oh I got, she's like i got you a an, another hummus jersey and i said uh oh yeah which one because i've got like two of them already I'm, like, just on real madrid and she's like uh, she was like i got a black one <laughs> and i was like wait so you mean like the one from the last season but those like you can't find those anywhere so I pull it out, and it's this. She put Hamas on the back. I don't know if you can see it. She put Hamas on the back, and I was like, you know this is the goalkeeper's jersey, right? And she was like, I know. So another Hamas camiseta for you. So I have a Keylor novice <laughs> Hamas uh, goalkeeper jersey, which is funny. All right, let's get this going. You don't, give, you don't care about that. I know you don't care about that. Let's just get this going. And, uh, again, thank you so much for dealing with my um, – Zika virus, freaking disease that I have. I will try to make it as, as, as not painful for you as possible. All right. First question up. McGregorian rhetoric. That's his word, not mine. Now that Connor has lost tonight, what rhetoric will Connor be able to employ? It seems as if his normal bombastic and overtly confident demeanor will be quickly snuffed by Diaz with two simple words. You tapped. Um where was Connor where can Connor go in hyping this fight how much has his rhetorical fervor and fury been quenched in his loss to Diaz do you think we'll see Connor of the old or new Connor before the fight well um i don't think you'll see the same kind of trash talk the el chapo references and uh hagiography hey, um but you know It's not like losses, um, well, I suppose the first one did, but it's not like historically losses and or other kinds of setbacks have really hurt McGregor of late. In fact, they seem to be a source of of reinvention. Sorry, this light is killing me. They seem to be a source of reinvention, if anything. So what I expect is um, I expect him to come out and have a new kind of, not so much bombast exactly, but a new kind of self-confidence, trash talk about focus uh, or just talk generally about focus Um, discussion centered around reinvention discussion centered on achieving what was lost reclaiming what was lost maybe not so much about Diaz per se but um, although there might be some of that too I wouldn't rule it out but I just feel like him he's a very thoughtful guy he tries to think about things for the most part maybe he didn't do it enough of that in the last one but um, when he articulates those things um it all comes to life so will it be as aggressive in your face challenging kind of rhetoric no i suppose not but um although time will tell but i certainly don't think he'll be demure or quiet or sheepish that doesn't work for him he has to talk he has to have a viewpoint expressed he finds comfort in that he finds routine in that he finds you know maybe some of it might be too much but there's still some of it that he likes he likes to define the terms of the discussion around him. So you'll still see some of it. It'll just be tweaked or slightly altered or something like that. Someone says he'll be the same. I don't know if it'll be the same. I, I, I mean, maybe, I suppose, you know, anything's possible. But for me, um, you know, we'll see, right? I mean, the, the thing is, when he lost um, against Duffy... And when he had the ACL repair, this was, this was a clear moment of reinvention for him and reinvigoration and uh, a new chapter of self-discovery where he was able to learn more about his body and his own motivation or his own limitations and then f- doing the things necessary to break through those barriers. I suspect he'll tell us about that journey, about that discovery and about that reinvention. So it'll still be very... I mean, he's not going into this fight to lose. He's going into this fight to win. So he'll talk about the discovery. He'll talk about growth. He'll talk about um, how he sees things anew and fresh. And interestingly, um, you know, again, we'll we'll have to wait and see. Maybe he comes out and he's still just as dismissive and he still wants to do the whole El Chapo thing. Uh, I suppose he's not beyond it. But um, if he takes losses as healthy as he has in the relatively recent past... This, the the talk should match that kind of healthy reinvention. Someone keeps asking about this terrible question about a worldwide bubble that I'm never going to answer. And boy, people are debating it in the comments. Wow. <clears throat> Uh, Luke, the effect of a possible UFC sale. Do you think that the rumors of the UFC being on sale is a real reason why the UFC has been choosing to make more cash grab fights like McGregor-Diaz instead of more traditional matches like Um, McGregor-Edgar? It's certainly possible that that is a contributing factor. We certainly can't rule that out. We have to take that um, potentiality seriously you know, certainly I've always told people that if if a fight that the UFC books doesn't make sense on, um, you know, you, you should think of the reasons why you make a fight in concentric circles. So the, the initial circle would be, um, you know, legitimately sporting reasons, divisional reasons, something just related to what is the sport about. And then the other concentric circles would be um, things like to what extent this will make money, to what extent it wouldn't, to what extent it would affect the calendar, to what extent, um, is there a sale of the organization? And those all are the concentric circles that you would look at, right? And as you drill down, it would become the sporting ones. And the, the reason why I put the sporting one at the middle is because in many ways it's at the core of a decision and in some ways also the smallest circle of the, all the rest of them, right? Um... So if you are looking at the McGregor-Diaz match and you're just looking at the sporting aspect of it, I suppose you could say that the fact that it will very likely deliver an exciting fight is still somewhere in that middle concentric circle. Um, But in and of itself, that wouldn't really explain why you would make the fight. You have to go to the the other concentric circles, the bigger ones, as you spread out to make any kind of um, sense about it. And when you do that... Certainly, the fact that there could be a sale of the organization would factor in, but um, I just haven't heard enough information related to it to make any kind of um, you know, definitive declaration about how it's affecting the UFC's matchmaking on an individual granular level like that. So asking, is there a loophole for Pajares to fight another promotion other than World Series of Fighting? I mean, I don't know that um, they can stop him from physically doing it, um, and they can't hold Venator liable in uh, a U.S. court in any kind of real way. Uh, but I suppose that if he wants to ever compete here again, it'll affect his license or he'll be sued or something like that. But I don't know what a U.S. judge is going to be able to do for an Italian promoter. I suppose, there might, again, I'll have to consult someone about it, but there might be a case to be made that Italian courts will respect the decision of American one, but I don't think so uh, at all. I mean, you have, who was that girl who was first uh, was was suspected of murdering her roommates? Who was American in Italy? Uh, she was eventually acquitted, and they wanted to retry her, and she just won't go back there. And you know, if she doesn't go back, they, they, there's nothing the Italian government can do. What are your thoughts on Cyborg's comments saying Rousey has a weak mind because of her suicidal thoughts? Um. Yeah, that's interesting. A weak mind because of suicidal thoughts. Well, on some level, I suppose I don't necessarily disagree. Uh, on one major level, I suppose that I do. Right? I mean, look, if you are contemplating uh, suicide in any in any capacity, even if it's fleeting, right? Just a thought that we're in your head for a moment and then left. I mean, that's not the end of the world if it's in, in, in that particular way. But um, those are not healthy thoughts. Those are not thoughts that contribute to um, a, a person's individual human flourishing. Those are not thoughts that are um, the kind of things that you would really want to entertain. Now, on some level, it is entirely understandable that you might have them. And in many ways, it's also um, on some, in some level a little bit normal that time to time um, certain kinds of people might experience those. So in that sense, it's not unusual, but it's certainly not a condition or an ingredient for success, probably. It may not be the hindrance necessarily, but it's not a condition for success. So on some level, I mean, I don't know, I would call that a weak mind. I mean, I'm not sure what that, what that says exactly. <coughs> but um, it's not it's not great. On the other hand, and this is why Cyborg's probably wrong, Um it is entirely possible for a person to have these kinds of thoughts and if dealt with properly that it shouldn't really impact their life, including for elite athletic performance. Now, I just, I don't know that not handling it does that. I don't know that not handling it uh, assists you in any kind of real way. Jesus, man, I am struggling today. Um, but I don't know that it automatically disqualifies you. I don't know that it's set. I mean, this whole idea about having this binary about, Oh, this person's got a weak mind. This person's got a strong mind and there's nothing in between. No, there's these range of, of different thresholds that people will be able to tolerate for different kinds of conditions in life and different kinds of challenges. Weak, strong. Yeah. I mean, look, there are some people who are more mentally capable of handling the task of professional mixed martial arts fighting than others, but those same people who are not necessarily equipped for that might be more mentally astute or, um, able to handle other kinds of rigors in different ways that a person who can handle MMA fighting can't, right? So there's there's lots to be said about that. But um, I would say that to the extent that um, it's handled with, with any kind of um, seriousness or professional help, or um, or or if these are just fleeting enough to not really matter, <clears throat> I don't think that it really all it's all that indicative of a whole lot. I would say that her her career is largely, largely the function, it, it largely evidences the fact that her mind is pretty strong. Um, she has dealt with grueling sports, grueling training, grueling competition, travel, booze, resentment in the public, uh, and has still found a way to, uh, mostly one hiccup aside in her MMA career, uh, do quite well. If that's a weak mind, boy, sign me up for the weak mind party, because you could do worse. So it says she also brings up her dad in every fight. You think she would understand what suicide does to a family. And it will be the last thing she thinks about. I don't think it's the last thing that she thinks about. Um, oh, I'm not sure who you're talking about here in this particular case, but you know, like if you lose your parent to something like that, I lost a parent to suicide. You think about it every day. Um, Losing a, losing a parent like that, and again, the particular circumstances of Rousey's situation might be different, but if it's anything like mine, uh, there, there's no such thing as getting over it. It's not like breaking up with a girl or something. It's, there are ways to manage it, um, but an event like that in your life, it injures you. It, it permanently injures you. Now injures you to such an extent that you can't go and accomplish all the things you want in your life. Maybe not. You know, maybe you can go ahead and, and be a big success professionally and be healthy um, personally. I'm not suggesting that it can't, but uh, you 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 are not the same afterwards. Never, never the same. That is a permanently injuring thing. So if she brings it up and she talks about it, it's because day to day it's impossible to avoid. It is. It's like losing a limb. You know, it's like, oh, why, why do you keep talking about your missing limb? Well, um, it has affected my life profoundly, right? May not limit you. May ultimately just be a part of who you are to, in a, you know, you could redefine in a positive way in some, in some capacity. But nevertheless, that is a thing that injures you. That injures It injures who you are. Big soccer question. Any thoughts on Leicester City uh, leading the EPL? I don't, I really don't watch much EPL, to be honest. I, I don't there's a thousand people who watch a thousand. There's a millions and millions of people who watch more soccer than me. I don't find premier league all that interesting. I just don't, I really don't. Um, I'm much more a fan of the style of play in La Liga and I'm not here to debate you about it. I'm not here to tell you, you need to watch La Liga. If you don't want to watch La Liga, don't watch it. I am not here to twist anyone's arm. Just personally speaking, I find a lot of the talk about premier league to be just a bunch of mythology from years past. I don't, I don't think the soccer is nearly as good as people make it out to be, but I'm sure a thousand people disagree and I'm sure a thousand people are going to tell me I'm American. So what do you know? And blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And then premier league teams are going to keep going into champions league matches and getting smoked like salmon. So that's what I know. Oh, but Luke, that's because it's the style of play is rougher and there's more parity in the league. And so by the time they make the champions league, the teams are more. And now, Although I have to say, if you're looking at like odds about Leicester City making the, uh, or winning the Premier League, there's, there was something like a 2,500 to 1 odds of winning it. Something insane. Something insane. So I will say if they win it, that is a very cool sports story. It looks like Tottenham is on the come up. Harry Kane. Actually, Harry Kane, I, I like a lot. He, I am a big fan of Harry Kane. But, um, so we'll see what Tottenham can do. But, but, I, I am rooting for Leicester to win only because it'd be a cool sports story. But otherwise, Premier League, it's like, I don't really care. And the best part is, James is going to wind up playing in Premier League next year, it looks like. And I'm not going to watch him at all. I don't, I don't care at all about watching him. I, I might buy the jersey because I'm a loser, but I'm not going to watch him. All right, recently announced Bouts Picks. That's what he wrote. Again, reserve the right to change minds in the future. Let's see. Almeida versus Garbrandt. Is that not a great fight? Is that not a great fight? Um, I guess I'll lean Almeida. Cowboy versus Cote. A weird fight. Um, I guess I'll lean Cowboy. I don't really know. Burrell versus Stevens. Boy, what a tough fight for Burrell right out of the gate, huh? Man, at 145. Stevens was a hard hitter at 155, man. And he has to cut weight to get down to 145. And he's had some issues in the past, but he is still a thunderous hitter at that division. So that's a tough out for him, man. So I guess I'll lean Stevens. Uh, Musasi versus Brunson. Uh, Brunson is going to be slept on here. I'm going to lean Musassi, but I don't know, man. I have to think. About, I, I need to go back and watch some tape. Velasquez versus Brown. I'm going to assume Velasquez, like you guys probably are too, right? You're probably going to assume Velasquez, but man, those injuries. By the way, folks have been asking about my back injuries. Man, I've been working on it every single day day. I've been working on it and I feel so much better, so much better. I have to say, man, if you do like Marcelo Garcia, is was often like, I don't do any strength and conditioning. Um, I just do jujitsu, blah, 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 blah. And, and that's how he stays healthy. And, and I believe him like his record of achievement speaks for itself. There's nothing I can say to him that would say, well, you, you shouldn't do that or you should do that. All I can say is personally, what I discovered in the last couple of years, because I've had so many injuries, weight training that I stopped doing it. I was just like, I'm just going to do Jiu-Jitsu and wrestling, I'm not going to do any weight training. That was a bad idea. That was a really bad idea. I, I, I don't know about how you guys feel out there if you train. I have to do strength and conditioning. Have to. I have to taper back individual specialization, and I have to taper up strength and conditioning. Otherwise, I just get injuries. Uh, no doubt about it. Poirier versus Green. Green's been off so long. I like his style of fighting, but he's been off so long. So Poirier's been hot. I'm going to lean Poirier. Safadine versus Story a nut. Wow. What a tough fight that is. Mm. And poor Safidine, you know, the Belgian, um, Safidine versus story. I have to go back and look at some tape on story recently, but I guess I would lean Safadine. I don't know. Masvidal versus Larkin. I'm going to lean Larkin on that one. Those are great. I mean, those are not great fights coming up. Really great fights coming up. No complaints about any of those, to be honest. Some are weirder than others, right? But um, but they're not bad. Like, you can't say that. True, false. Conor McGregor is the least well-rounded champion in the UFC. All right, well, let's go through that. You got Ian Jacek. Um, He's probably more well-rounded than her because her jiu-jitsu doesn't, is not that great. Uh, then you've got uh, Tate. He's not moral. Let's Okay, let's just go through his Tate. Johnson, Cruz, uh, McGregor, uh, 155. Jesus, I can't even think straight today. Uh, RDA, uh, then you have Lawler, then you have McDonald, then you have Cormier, and then you have Verdun. Um, he's at the lower end of well-roundedness, but I don't know if he's the least well-rounded. It's also false. The first fight between John Jones and Daniel Cormier was more competitive than people think. Absolutely, go back and watch it. I watched it the other day. It's not, it's not, it's not the best performance from Jones. Um, it's I don't even know if it was Jones trying as hard as he could, or at least you know as focused as he could in one way. But it's it wasn't like a blowout. John Jones's weightlifting will affect his cardio. Um, no, false. Luke Rockhold would be a toughest test for John Jones than Daniel Cormier. I think you mean tougher test. I'll say false. Dos Anjos, like he said, would be able to beat Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor in the same night. Certainly the McGregor who showed up on that night, maybe. Uh, After seeing McGregor's performance against Diaz, I like Jose Aldo's chances in a rematch. I do not. I do not. I've said this before, like, I've been very confused about McGregor and you guys probably have picked up on that about how bad he is, about how good he is. And I flip flopped a lot. Cause I just, I could never get a firm grasp on it. Even watching the tape, it was just a little bit hard to decipher amidst all the hype the, the Diaz fight was very much, um, uh, uh, you know, not that it came his stock came crashing down, but maybe to a more modest and understandable position, a comprehensible position, at least for me anyway. And so after seeing that, I think, uh, I don't know that I like his chances against Edgar, But I still think I like his chances against Aldo. That being said, um, despite what happened in the first fight, whatever happened in the second fight would be likely to happen if there was a third fight, which makes this Diaz versus McGregor fight kind of interesting because if Diaz loses, people are like, oh, it'll be a rubber match. Right, but it, but it, it would tell the story of development for McGregor. It would tell the story of growth if he was able to get to that point. Remember, and again, that was... A different spacing. We talked about the, the Liddell and Couture stuff, but um, you often see in trilogy fights, the one who wins the second fight ends up winning of the third fight, too. I hope we don't get there, because I'd rather just McGregor go back to Featherweight, but you get the idea. Barbas is here. Say what's up, buddy. <laughs> you are ugly, son. What? There he is. The great Barbas. All right, go back down, buddy. Uh, What rating do you give the glorious UFC on Fox 19 lineup? I can't see it here. But let's go ahead and look at it. It's a pretty good lineup, as as I recall. Let's see. So we got main card. Nurmagomedov versus Ferguson, which is just fire. Teixeira versus Evans. It's a tough fight for Evans, boy. Machida versus Henderson. This is not bad, I guess. Uh, Namunas versus Torres, I like it. Dariush versus Kiesa, love it. Swanson versus Hocker and Diaz, tough fight for Swanson, but I like it. A tough fight for Diaz too. Dotson versus Gamburian, I like it. Cojea versus Pennington. It's an important fight for the division. I don't know if I love it, but okay. Court McGee versus Santiago Ponzinibbio, I like it. Randy Brown versus Michael Graves. Uh, Cesar Ferreira versus uh, Caio Magalash. Drew Dober, Islam Makachev, uh, and then Somedonk versus Omar Akhmedov. So the fight pass portion is less than interesting, but the other two ports are really good. So I give that a 8 eight. Eight out of 10 maybe. Again, more rumors about UFC being sold. I have not heard much about this, to be honest. Um, Jonathan Snowden appeared to be the one who heard the most about it. Um, I'll have to go with that. Why do most fighters train with boxing gloves? Uh, The reason why is because it's a much better hand protection. It does mess up your distancing, and it does mess up your protection. Guys spar, and they get comfortable and accustomed to the boxing gloves, providing a measure of protection that MMA gloves don't. There might be a case that using the boxing gloves less is better for you long term, Um, but uh, suffice to say, just using the MMA gloves will result in more hand injuries. uh hydra gracie versus buchesha buchesha two headlining Metamorph seven who you got hydra gracie seems like he's on um on the on a bit of a comeback trail and buchesha has been injured and um not competing but i still like buchesha to win but that's it's gonna be fun it's gonna be good all right new york assembly fiasco look what do you make of some of the ridiculous comments or opinions That some of the assembly members made during the hearing. Can you fathom ever criticizing a sport in that manner publicly without having done thorough research on it? It doesn't make much sense to me. Um, And someone says, just to jog everyone's memory, Charles Barron said that MMA was like slavery because they get locked in a cage. Well, he didn't say it was like slavery. He just said, okay, he said things like that. Uh, Daniel O'Donnell, who is the brother of Rosie O'Donnell, argue that MMA was like gay porn with a different ending. Angela Wozniak said that MMA coaches take advantage of kids. Uh, Deborah Glick called out a parody Twitter account implied that MMA supporters are Trump supporters so that MMA is bare knuckle fighting and so on and so forth. Okay, is that not all, first of all, hilarious? I mean, if you can't laugh at that, I don't know what you can't laugh at. Um, This is partly a function, I think, of people not understanding the job of a legislature and a legislator individually. People said, why haven't they done thorough research on this? These people are asked to vote on any number of different bills um, over the course of a session, um, weeks, months, and, and years, if they are stay in office and re-elected. They can't possibly have omni They can only get talking points. This is why um, you often see these guys have legislative aides who do the policy work for them, break it down to digestible um, nuggets that they can then share with the lawmaker, and then the lawmaker, you know, usually has some kind of way to identify a position, put a flag in the ground, and vote around it. But if you're wondering why they're so like profoundly ignorant, it's because they're only really going to have competencies, um, and even those are debatable. But they're going to have only like real competencies around issues that they put forward, right? So, like the the one of the main sponsors of the bill in the assembly was you know, Representative Joe Morelli, who I met in and interviewed with Spike TV when I was on MMA Uncensored Censored Live. But M- Morelli, in addition to being the bill's sponsor, has a background in Taekwondo, um, is a lifelong athlete, even though he's, you know, a legislator now, but, um, this is a guy who sort of understood the issue, understood the economics of the issue, and really kind of understood the martial arts sensibility in a way that, you know, some of the other legislators, uh, really, really cop to and, and got, but, you know, obviously you, you gathered some didn't, um, but really, that's the that's the issue. If, if these aren't issues that the the you know uh, Daryl uh, Isa or Issa, however you want to pronounce it, um, is like is a guy I don't particularly like, but he's been really good on some issues that I do care about. For example, uh, uh, let's say um, um, net neutrality, right? Because these are issues that they own. They try to really put forward coherent and cogent policy on. Um, but short of that, you know, you've seen guys on the Senate floor and in the, in the U.S. Congress, you've seen guys on the floor say all manner of crazy things, Ted Cruz reading um, children's lullabies or, you know, bedtime stories on the floor. In the course of, I think it was a filibuster at the time. They, they they can't possibly have competency about all these issues. The only ones they really know are the ones they either raise or they have some kind of background in. The ones, when, and when I say raise the issues, I mean for forward bills. You know, because these are ones that they have spent time learning about over the course of time, through years and meeting with people, and, and you know, they've become general issue advocates. Um, those are the ones that really get it. And you know, you can ask. Well, there are other guys who didn't have a martial arts background who didn't seem to be. Uh, in the way of it, who seemed quite intelligent, like uh, the honorable—forget uh, his first name, but his last name was Crespo. I don't know what kind of background he has necessarily, but he seemed quite competent about the whole thing. Okay, fair enough. There's going to be a range of issues. I'm just sort of pointing out to you, like, if you're asking why these guys aren't, why don't they, why don't they know a whole lot? It's because their job doesn't really allow for it. And that sounds kind of scary, and that sounds kind of, um, um why would you want someone passing laws one way or the other about things they don't understand? If you've got a better idea about how to change the system and educate these people in a quick and and effective manner, by all means, share it because I'm not sure that there really exists one. This is what representative democracy looks like to some extent. Now, I will say I found it interesting and I don't know what to make of it. I don't know if it was just the ones who chose to spoke. I don't know if there's any larger lesson to be had there. You know, as a measure of disclosure, I lean left politically, um, if you haven't picked up on that already. Um, And it was funny to note that Uh, it was older left leaning white women who seemed to be the most bothered by the law. Uh, they were the it was, uh, I'm not sure what to make of that if that was just coincidence or or what, but it seemed like the minority communities, the Latin African American communities, they were very much in favor of this in a noticeable way across both gender lines, uh, male and female. Um, you had black women getting up there and saying very positive things. You had you had Latino men saying positive things, you had Latino women, you had Latino men, all of them had, you know, relatively positive things to say about it. And of course there were, you know, white supporters and black opponents. I'm not here to say this went strictly along um racial or gender lines in that particular way, but as a general tendency, the group that appeared most against it um was that was the older left-leaning white women, and which if you're ever wondering, like, why was those why were those sites like Moms Against UFC so effective? Um, it's because of that. It's because it's because it seems like that was their target audience. Um, you know, middle class. Uh, the, the, who was the? What was her name? Glick, the one who got trolled. You know, she. she if you look at her Twitter profile, um, her background image is literally her cats. I'm not making it up. Go look. It's her cats. You know, these are the kinds of people who have just, they have a different life. They don't understand MMA or boxing or, 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 you know, Jim Lampley, you can say what you want about what he said on the Bill Simmons podcast, but he did say one thing I thought was really true. He goes, as long as there are men and money on this planet and women too, they're going to fight each other for money. That's just the reality of things. So what you want to do is you want to bring a measure of regulation to it. You want to bring a measure of oversight and you want to raise it into the light. Everyone sees it. It's above board. It's controlled. It's, it's that kind of environment. Um, and, uh, and I, I don't think she has any relationship to that world, right? None. And there are worlds like, look, if someone elected you or if someone elected me and this bill went before, the legislature in which I was, you know, a representative, I would have, I would feel like, like you, a pretty strong grasp of this. But what if a law came up related to, um, God, I mean, any any number of different tax changes and ordinances and God knows what else. You're going to have a limited grasp of the issue. It's just, it's just inevitable. You cannot expect legislatures to have omnicompetence. Now, again, the stuff about slavery or whatever, yeah, I mean, that was just, that guy also, the guy, uh, Charles Barron, The one who was saying uh, who compared it to Mandingo fighting, which, by the way, is a myth, um, is the same guy who uh, invited and then honored brutal dictator Robert Mugabe to New York. So, I mean, his sanctimony on this one is is uh, (laughs) I mean, it's just laughable. But, you know, Glick. She just seemed to be lost. I don't think she really understands any part about this world. She doesn't understand the men who compete in that. Frankly, she doesn't understand the women who compete in that. To be honest, um, for you know, she speaks as a woman's advocate. If you're gonna, if you're gonna uh, uh, anoint yourself as a woman's advocate, it would be in your interest to understand women who do that sort of thing. You don't have to agree with it or like it, but she seemed to be wholly absent in terms of any kind of real-world connection to those kinds of women, to the Angela Hills or the Julie Kedzies or the Misha Tates. She has no relationship to them whatsoever in any kind of way. And so this imposition of worldview as a consequence winds up being really grating um, for sure. But, you know, if you're just wondering, like, if you go and meet your local senator, if you're you're an American, if you meet your representative or one of your two senators, um, you're going to find there's going to be some issues they really know a lot about. And you're going to also find they're going to say some outlandish, crazy things uh, about even issues they care about, but certainly about issues they don't care about. And a lot of times these guys will vote no on things they just don't really know or care. Um, I worked with a guy, I won't, I won't mention who it was, who in Virginia had initially voted against it years ago before it ever got legalized. And I wound up asking him at the time, why did you vote against it? And he goes, I didn't really know much about it. It looked bad. And I had to put down a vote. I voted with the way some of my colleagues told me to. You get a lot of that too. You know, it's a lot of just sort of groupthink. Um, along party lines or whatever the case. Um, and, you, and I can say that Morelli was a Democrat, and this was a bipartisan bill, but um, it looked to me like the Republicans, especially in the Senate, and again, I, I, I don't want to be too down the line about this, but a little to me like the Republicans, especially in the Senate, were much more in favor of this kind of thing. So um, credit where it's due to everyone who voted Democrat or Republican, but um, yeah, the, the left and the left group of older white women, They really let me down. So this is how 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 about how long it took? Well, I don't think it normally takes that long through a procedure, although it might, where you have these people getting up and just grandstanding, and then they vote, and then you have some members explaining their vote, like, oh, my God. Uh, But there were cameras there. You you saw them alluding, oh, look, we have ESPN is here, and -and so-and-so is here, and -and so-and-so is here. They kept doing it. They knew that they were just looking for some camera time, and they got it. Like, here we are talking about it, right? Uh, Representative O'Donnell, I got written up in USA Today about it, among other places. Like They say these things to get headlines, and it works, and it works. That's why they do it. So it's painful, and it's annoying, but it works. Last thing I want to say about this. The whole thing was really um, a a very interesting case study, if you think about it, because no other state really, I mean, not in any recent years, shares these concerns that this was these these profound contributors to domestic violence that um, that that we will come to regret these choices of, as it relates to brain injury and certainly I am I am sympathetic to anyone who wants to take brain injury seriously I think most people are too we can disagree about what the policy should be around um, you know curtailing the behavior of young men and women but sure I mean I'm not going to be mad at someone who wants to prevent brain injury that's that's a that's a reasonable uh, you know a priori p- position to begin from, but um, the debate they were having there was there. There is no debate, right? There, like they were discussing something that doesn't even exist. Like it, it was, it was interesting to me. It was like, why didn't anyone raise the point that in states where this is legal? They don't have any way to identify that MMA has contributed in any kind of quantifiable way to an increase in domestic violence, to an increase in murder, to an increase in sort of general lawlessness. Right? If your argument is that we legalize this, we make society worse. Okay. So then, and I asked this when I was on the, when I went to Albany once for Spike TV, I asked, I forget who it was I interviewed at the time. I I think he's gone now. He was one one of the original guys who, um, went along with, what was his name, Bob Riley? I can't remember his name now, but long story short, <coughs> I asked him, if you pass MMA, does it make society worse? Sorry, y'all, I'm struggling here a little bit. <clears throat> and he goes, yes. I said, okay, what data do you have to support that? Where's your, where's your data? Right? Okay, so um, if someone passed a law Uh, In a state, even a small one, let's say Virginia, where um, um, fist fighting became no longer illegal in bars, Um, you might be able to say if there's an uptick in violence after a year or two, if fist fighting in bars is no longer a crime, right? You can measure that. You could measure that. Now, you could measure the fights and say, well, that's violence, but okay, you're not talking they're not so much worried about that that was more just brain damage if you're saying this has a is a is a ill on society generally that there is a bleed over effect you should be able to measure that right you should be able to have some kind of quantifiable way to say look at what this does and there was none so this whole notion about well um this is this is a you know this is a contributor to domestic violence and and everything and look we all want to take those issues seriously They were having a debate that doesn't exist anywhere else, which means it's not a debate at all. They, in their minds, were having this debate about issues that aren't relevant in any other place because no one even thinks about it because it's so ludicrous. So you say, well, why were they doing that? They were doing that because you have to give credit where it is due. I am not happy about it. I am not praising them for it exactly. But the vested interests who were opposed to MMA in that state, all the way from the Unite Hears to many other contributors, they did an excellent job at brainwashing those legislators. Did they not? You can see what the UFC was up against. They were having to fight a debate that, or having to be a part of a debate that didn't exist anywhere. It's like you go to all 49 states and people just treat you like an ordinary citizen, and then you walk into New York, it's like, well, how do we know you're not a criminal? Like, I'm just... I mean, I'm. I'm not. I've. I haven't done. How do we know? How do we know you're not a rapist and a murderer? I mean, I haven't done anything. I just came from New Jersey. I'm here to, you know. <laughs> that's what. It's this. <just, laughs> Barbas. <laughs> yeah. It's this weird nonsense debate. Anyway, long story short, that's that's a major takeaway for me. <laughs> See, my dog is awesome. Um, all right, moving on. Steve Percival, what are the negative effects? (laughs) I don't know what I'm gonna do about that dog. Hey, Steve Percival, what are the negative effects of a stoppage like Magni versus Lombard? I mean, obviously, it was egregious. However, could Steve Percival's decision not to stop the fight make the other referees stop fights? a little too early in the future because they don't want to be like Steve. Are there always going to be human error when it comes to human refereeing? Well, the truth of the matter is, and someone says follow-up, should fighters be able to sue referees in cases like this? I mean, Hector could be have suffered brain damage, which is something the smarter members of the New York State Assembly brought up yesterday. How do fighters protect themselves from bad referees? I wouldn't mind if they sued commissions, but even then, <coughs> you would want to be very careful about that. Um, if you know anyone who's a doctor as part of their normal course of their job, they have to pay um, outrageous amounts of money. Come here, buddy. Come here. They have to pay outrageous amounts of money for malpractice insurance, even though malpractice... Because Well, the, the reason why is because uh, I have a buddy of mine who's a, who's a radiologist and I'm another one who's a general practitioner. And, and The general practitioner once got sued and it, would, the, it eventually all gets thrown out, but um, people will just launch frivolous lawsuits at you. Once you open that door to letting guys sue a commission um, for a bad referee stoppage then you wind up getting a lot I think a lot of litigation problems I don't know that's really the best way to go about it although you know I don't want to I also don't want to shield them from the kinds of um, criticisms and pushback that they maybe deserve so I guess what I would say is I will always take a referee who stops the fight early over one who stops late you can literally measure the beating that um, Lombard took as like one of the all-time great beatings in UFC history in terms of a round not being stopped. There's like math to, to, to prove this. Um, it's a really, really awful thing that he did. I, I just think we have to come to terms with the fact that as it stands, given the current crop of everyone who's there, given the the leeway that commissions provide these guys. Um, okay. You got to go again, buddy. Um, I, some of this is just inevitable. It's just you got to swallow it a little bit. I'm not saying we, that Percival shouldn't be counseled or shouldn't have something said to him or shouldn't have to go through retraining. I'm not saying any of that. I guess what I am saying is if there's a great solution to solve this problem that none of us have magically thought of yet, by all means, bring it forward. Because I don't know what it is. I really don't know what it is. I don't know what you can do on a short-run basis to fix this kind of thing. To Do you get rid of Steve? I mean, he's not going to get better by refereeing less. Um, is he such a danger that he shouldn't referee at all? Maybe. Um, you know, I talked to Lester Bowling, who was the coach of Neil Magny. He's a wrestling coach over at the oh. fight team. And he was saying that he was kind of surprised it wasn't even stopped in the first. Like, if you look at the first round and then the second round, clearly Steve Percival's threshold for when he's going to stop a fight is much longer than a lot of other referees. I think that's right. I think that's right. I think I think the question is identifying the problem. His tolerance for what he will allow is a little much. It's a little much. There's a case to be made that some of that needs to be dialed back in a way. There needs to be some kind of complicating fact or some kind of... Uh, um, someone needs to counsel him like, you're letting this go too long. This is not good for anyone. Apparently, Neil Magny was bothered by the amount of punishment he had to dish out. He didn't like it. Um, you know, Percival didn't stop that fight until in the third round, Neil Magny locked up Lombard from a mounted triangle and was banging on him from there. I mean, dude, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? My goodness. You are waiting for a guy to die in there. So certainly he deserves, I, I, would, not, I would not advocate getting rid of him as a referee in that territory because he's not going to get better doing it less. But yeah, there needs to be a counseling with him being like, you need to stop fights a little sooner because this is a problem. All right. Kyle Snyder. Look over the weekend. Ohio State's Kyle Snyder captured the first NCAA wrestling championship against the returning two-time national champ Nick Wisdowski. At only 20 years of age, Snyder has already compiled a career's worth of accomplishments having a junior world championship in 2013. Becoming the youngest American wrestler to win a world championship last fall. He was also able to amass a record of 180 0 during his first three years of high school. Jesus. Uh, what are your thoughts on Snyder's abilities? And does he have the potential to potentially go down the history as one of the greatest American wrestlers of all time? It will be interesting to see um, how he does at the trials in a couple of weeks. Uh, he was already back in the gym on Monday well, uh, working with uh, Travell Delagnev, who is the reigning heavyweight rep for the USA. And and then um, what's his face out of um, Lehigh? Zach Ray is the other one. I don't know if he was working with Zach Ray or not, but uh, we'll see how far he can go. But already he's done quite a bit. I wonder if Burroughs might hang it up if he wins another gold medal at the Olympics. Um, I wonder if he'll hang it up. In which case, Snyder would be in a position to be the face of USA Wrestling. But in terms of how far he can go, I don't really know. It was a, It was a. I mean, if you guys have seen, this guy is so clutch. He did that to an extent at the Wrestling World Championships too. He was down. <coughs> pardon me, y'all. I'm sorry. I'm trying my best. He was down five three with like, like a, like thirty seconds to go. Plus, Guzdowski had a, a a minutes worth of riding time, so he had another point if it went that far. But I guess the the uh, the riding time is uh, eliminated if it goes to a, a numerical tie. So it's five three Guzdowski and Snyder gets a takedown, so now it's five five. So they go to OT, basically like sudden death, really. And um, and uh, he'd been trying singles the whole time. He'd been trying single legs. And what happened was Gwizdowski was cutting the corner on him every time to basically stuff it. He couldn't get the angle he needed for it. And Gwizdowski was doing a really good job of doing that. And then in the finals, um, in that overtime, he managed to secure a, You know, He faked it and then got a double and and sat him and then covered the hips. It was amazing. It was amazing to see that kind of clutch performance like that against a guy who had the longest active win streak in collegiate wrestling. My God, Kyle Snyder is a monster. Uh, all right, true, false. Conor McGregor will get finished again by a full camp Nate Diaz. Huh. Uh, that's a good question. I'll say. I'll say true. Uh, you know who knows. Hector Lombard receives significant brain damage due to incompetent referee. I mean, I don't know. That's a medical diagnosis. Mighty Mouse will be the first man to take Henry Cejudo down. True. Anderson Silva versus Ry Hall is likely to be a boring contest since both guys have trouble pulling the trigger. I think so. I I, I mean, I don't think it's going to be a barn burner, but I think it'll have moments of, like, flashes, you know, brilliance. Wonder Boy is going to target Rory's surgically reconstructed nose when they fight. That and everything else. Luke Rockhold finishes Weidman in the rematch. I'll say false in that one. Uh, Mark Hunt would knock out Kane if they f- if the fight stays standing. I mean, he could technically knock out anyone, but I don't. Even then, I like Kane's chances. Mark Hunt would knock out. Excuse me. Um, Joanna knocks out Gedalia after she gases out in championship rounds. No, but she hurts her for sure. Both Diaz brothers will be on UFC 209. Uh, I'll say true just for hopefulness sake. The best way to beat Floyd Mayweather is to knock him out with a sucker punch at the beginning of the last round where both fighters usually embrace as a sign of respect for one another. Yeah, or early. By the way, interim belt. No, I'm not even going to entertain this. He hasn't been gone that long for an interim belt. If he, if, he, if he doesn't come back after the Diaz fight, all right, we can talk about it, but. Until then, I'm not doing that. Give me one second, y'all. I apologize. Oh, I feel so awesome. Next for Frank Mir. Does he continue fighting and face, say, Josh Barnett, or does he move into the analyst role and satisfy his competitive juices via BJJ? First of all, I would love to see Mir in... um, and, like, Polaris or, you know, Metamorris or whatever, something like that. Um, but you know what? If you guys don't remember this, when he was a commentator for the WEC, I thought he was great. He would stumble over his words a little bit sometimes, but that comes with, you know, getting polished as a broadcaster. You just got to get the reps in. And he only lost it when he was, I think uh, it was in the up to the Lesnar fight where he said he wanted you want to be the, like, Lesnar to be the first guy to die in the octagon or. Some variety, some variety of wishing death upon him, either at his hands or his, the hands generally. And uh, so he lost the gig. And they brought in Stefan Bonner, who was good, you know, okay, and and some other ones. But uh, I always thought Mir was an excellent broadcaster. And he would do things that were kind of interesting, too, to, like, get a better sense of it. Like, it's always good if you've had a chance to roll and spar with someone and bring that knowledge into the commentary booth. You know, Brian Stan does that time to time. It's one, one of the many reasons why Brian Stan is so good. But there's, go back and you watch the um, the WEC fight. I think it was Nogueira, Pequeño Nogueira versus Aldo. I could be wrong about that, but you can go back and check. And in that fight, Mir was saying, Pequeño Nogueira, if you guys don't know, it was like a notorious guillotine machine. He had a really amazing guillotine, you know. And uh, it was like a legendary guillotine at the time for the lighter weight guys. And Mir, um, who would never ordinarily spar with Noguera, again, pequeño Noguera, um, asked to be put in the guillotine to see what it felt like. So that when he talked about it in the commentary booth, he would have some perspective. Like, what about this guillotine was so great? And I just thought, I was one of those moments where I was like, you know what, man, Frank Mir is awesome at this. He just knows what he knows. What he uh, needs to know to do the job correctly, to talk about it in a way that, you know, Frank Mir does commentary like Frank Mir would want someone else to do commentary. Does that make sense? Like if Frank Mir was sitting at home and he wanted to enjoy a commentator's work, they would have to do a certain amount of things in terms of providing technical insight and, and that sort of thing. And that's what he does. So, look, he did not look awesome uh, at, at UFC Fight 985. You know, Mark Hunt never looks awesome, but he doesn't look like a super downgraded version of himself. Mir does, unfortunately. And um, given that we know he can already do the commentary stuff and the analysis stuff, I would really like to see him transition into that. I don't know if he's interested in that, but I I would like to see that because I think he he really excels at it, you know. I like watching half-naked men roll around on the ground in a cage. Am I gay? Uh, You might be. You know, I used to get real mad at that. When people were like, oh man, you just like you just like watching gay dudes. And I was like, Well, first of all, I'm not even sure what that means. Like, I'm not gay, but like <laughs> uh you're you're trying to argue that being gay is bad, so I'm not supposed to like this, so that's on you. But more than that, like, can we just agree that sometimes MMA is a little homoerotic? It just is, man. We can sit here and deny it all we want, and it's not a reason not to watch. And it is low hanging fruit for that d bag who you invite to your party to watch. You know, like, oh, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna have friends over for UFC 196, and you know who I'm talking about. Invariably, you get that friend over who thinks they're super funny, who thinks it's their night to be edgy. I'm gonna go to a friend's party to watch a fight. Ooh, isn't that edgy? Like, just I hope you die on the way home, but okay. You know who I'm talking about? And these people come over and they're loud. And they're the ones being like, just get up off the ground. What are you doing, man? Just get like, like they know Jack S about fighting at all. And then when it's over and it's also not even dudes. In fact, in my experience, I'm sorry, ladies, it's mostly y'all who are the culprits in my, in my experience. Um, although dudes have done it too. Uh, who then are like if this, if there's someone takes the back or they're bleeding and like one person's kind of on top and there's like a stall, They'll be like, this is the gayest thing I've ever seen. Isn't that right? The gayest thing I've ever seen. Right, Jeff? You know, uh, you know these are people that sh- deserve to be beaten to death with a car antenna um, independently of that. But, you know, there is something to be said for the fact that, like, it's a little gay. Nothing wrong with that. It's a little gay. It's a little gay. Uh, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. It really is not bad. It's just fine. Two sweaty guys hugging uh even if they're fist fighting it's a little homoerotic once you accept it and you don't care about it and then you can turn the tables on someone and be like so so what's bad about that then they go and they're like all right but it's not it, the person who says this is the gayest thing i've ever seen is not that they are wrong necessarily it's that those kinds of people the the the, the kind of person who says that um is almost always a boring, lame person. It's almost, almost invariably like you've never met someone really interesting in your life, and then you showed them MMA, and they said that they might have a, they might have, they might not like it. Um, but most of the time, I found interesting people have a, a worldview where they may like something, they may dislike something, but they don't, they don't resort to the Joey Buttafuoco effing. <laughs> you know uh this this is the gayest thing I've ever seen like i tr- I truly hope uh you die in front of your children and they watch their clown father uh writhe in agony in his final moments uh there was no Monday morning analyst no there wasn't. Uh, your thoughts on Hunt versus Mir fight did you think Mir was completely out of it and it was a good stoppage uh and Magny Lombard there was no 10-8 rounds for either fight on the ref and the judges messed up on that one yeah i mean i don't know how how was round 1 not a how was round 2 not a 10-8 how how are those not 10-8s um all those not 10 I mean, jesus christ some of them could have been 10-7 um but in terms of the Mir fight you know his movement just wasn't that awesome I and mean, he was Trying to stay, I think, if you go back and you watch, there's like, he does a really good job of trying to stay out of punching range for the most part. And then when he, he was showing a variety of feints and then ducks and dodges, but they noted on the commentary that the dodges were all kind of to one side. And Hunt has the ability, you know, to be a little bit loose with his right, where he's not firing it straight down the middle or in these, these are like real rigid combinations. It can be a heat-seeking missile in a way. He can, yes, he's timing you, but he can kind of follow you a little bit too. Like he's got, he's got a really interesting ability to do that with his right hand. So it just seemed like, I mean, it was more than that. Just the body language from Mira was, you know, he was trying to get inside of those takedowns and it just wasn't going anywhere. And yeah, you know, the accuracy of Hunt in conjunction with his power is really a, um, boy, it's a problem for guys. Uh, let's see. Eddie Bravo Invitational. Luke, what are your thoughts on the setup rules of, uh, of Eddie Bravo? How it compares to Um I don't really like the rules. Everyone else I know does. I, I realize that they're trying to do something different. You know, where they set you guys, set someone up on the back, and you have to escape. If you don't, if you get submitted, that's great. But if you don't, then they eventually just add up the time it requires you to escape from that position, um, or you know, if the time expires and they allotted amount. But. Um, but <laughs> I don't really love that. Look, if you want to do submission only, then it's no time limit only. And that's it. That's it. I've been saying it since day one. There is no such thing as submission only. Oh, but there's time. If you've ever seen U.S. Grappling does this. U.S. Grappling does submission only, no time limits. That is the only way to do it. If you've ever been to a U.S. Grappling tournament, that's what they do. And what happens is a consequence. Some of those matches go for hours, literally that's what you want if that's what you if you if you want submission only that's what you want it's like the women in tennis complain we only play three rounds we'll play five no no, no that's okay it'll mess with the tournament it'll mess with the timing and everything else oh, okay well the serena should be playing five sets she shouldn't be playing three sets you know, as great as her career has been it would be even better with that there's there's an article on 538 arguing that um so, you know, if they want to construct rules to make it what they feel is more palatable, God bless them. If people like it, awesome. I'm not here to tell you not to watch it at all. But for me, if you want to do sub only, that's the only thing that matters, then there is no time limit. Because otherwise, you're it's an arbitrary limit in a way where you're not putting any other limit on submissions. Advise Misha on her next move. She should do whatever she wants. If she wants to sit, sit. If she wants to compete, then give, Tate, uh, give uh, home a rematch. I have seen a lot of comments on the type, quote, Bellator should thank the UFC for spending time and resources uh, into the legalization of MMA in New York. This doesn't sit well with me. The only reason the UFC was illegal in the state of New York, as I understand it, is because the Fertitta brothers own a number of casinos which happen to be at odds with the Culinary Union. What does Bellator have to do with this discussion between those two parties? What are your thoughts? Well, it is true that there is a unique um, battle between the is the UFC, and then the other vested interests that were trying to keep MMA out of um, New York. But it's also true that, um, look, there are lots of people who should... This is the basic question was, why was MMA legalized in New York? And I don't mean procedurally, I mean... Who all contributed to it? There were a lot of unsung heroes in this. You know, Jim Jania as a journalist deserves a lot of credit. Mark LaMonica deserves a credit. Sambo Steve deserves a lot of credit. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Guys who were trying to raise awareness, guys who spoke to members of the community, guys who were active in, grass, in, in, in grassroots activism. And then you have... Sorry, USC deserves credit. They went to the Hill. Oh, I call it the Hill because I live in D.C. They went to Albany all the time to lobby. They spent they spent millions of dollars filing this lawsuit, and they kept getting thrown out. Uh, and, the, and the Attorney General kept having his way, um, but they kept trying despite um, the, you know their best efforts. Um, th- this was this was a full throated effort from both native New Yorkers. And the UFC's machine itself, the two worked in conjunction. Now, which one was more impactful? You know, you can have a discussion about that. Probably the UFC's, you know, uh, money and lobbying time. You I know, mean, lobbying is not um, is not an easy and simple exercise. It's, it's a difficult one. It takes a long time, as you can see. But, um, but, but Bellator wasn't really a part of that process in any way that I'm aware of. And so when the laws get overturned, should they think just the UFC I don't know it seems to me that there are some other players out there who really had an effect of raising awareness and and trying to do the right thing and trying to get people involved and and trying to get laws overturned and 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 whatnot but um um but yeah, Bellator can't claim a lot of credit for it, and they're going to be a big beneficiary of it. You know, it was interesting to me. I didn't even think about it at the time yesterday because I was just so focused on what the UFC was going to do. Bellator put out that press release, and you see Scott Conker put up that message today saying, you know, we're going to go to New York in the fall, talking about the Barclays Arena. Man, if you're a New Yorker, 2017 is going to be hot for you. Wow, it's going to be hot for you. Not just the local native promoters are going to be there, but UFC is going to be there, and Bellator is going to be there too, man. They have a good relationship with Mohegan Sun that I don't think they're going to walk away from. It's, It's a good thing that they have them. But they're definitely going to be going to Brooklyn. I mean, no doubt about it. Um, they're a big and, and, and who does that benefit? That benefits Spike. That benefits Bellator. That benefits Viacom. It benefits everyone on that side of the equation. So it's not a function of should they think just the UFC. Um, and part of the reason why the law was the way it was was because of the old UFC and and then the you know the, the squabbles in Vegas that were transported to New York. But no doubt about it, there are a lot of people who helped get that law overturned or, you know, changed anyway. The new law passed, and um, Bellator, you know, wasn't a big key contributor to that, but they're a big beneficiary of it. Some measure of thanks might be in order. Lorenzo Fertitta even mentioned them on the on the uh, conference call last night. You know, he's like, these people are going to be here too. Like, this benefits. When it's not just us coming to New York, he, he mentioned Bellator MMA, which is owned by Viacom. They're going to be here too. Like, you know, it's the law is going to open this up for a variety of parties, not not limited to the Ultimate Fighting Championship. And the question is, you know, who's, who, who's, who helped get it overturned? Well, a lot of people. All right, Bellator champs versus World Series of Fighting Champs. Who wins? Minikov versus Ivanov. I would go Minikov. McGeary versus Branch. That's a tough one. Branch versus Car- uh, Carvalho. He misspelled it. Uh, I would give it to Branch on that one. Parhalas versus Koreshkov. Well, let's see if it's uh, Benson Henderson. But for now, I give it to Poharis. Brooks versus Gaethje. I would give it to Brooks. Um, Strauss versus Almeida. <sighs> Strauss. Maresch versus Galvan. I would go moresh. Do you think the UFC 200 card will be better than the UFC 197 card on paper? I don't know what they're going to do with UFC 200, man. I guess besides Diaz and McGregor, I don't know what they're going to do. Let me look at that 197 card for just a second. By the way, it looks like I'm going to that one with Sirius XM. So if you're going to be in Vegas, you can come say hi to me. Um, So you got Cormier versus Jones, Johnson versus Cejudo, Pettis versus Barboza. That's a sick fight. Whitaker versus Natal. That's a good fight, too. Yair Rodriguez versus Andre Feely. That's good. Sergio Pettis versus Chris Quilates, the kid from um, Canada. Danny Roberts versus Dominic Steele. I guess Lima's still awaiting an opponent. galico Franza taking on James Vick. And then the big donk. Marcos Jerry de Lima taking on Clint Hester. That's not actually not a bad fight. And Efrain Escudero taking on Kevin Lee. That's, that's a pretty good card, man. It's a pretty good card. So that's going to be a tough one to match. DC versus Jones. Has Jones already got this fight won? Yeah, no need to have it. DC looks far too emotional every time he is faced with John. Yeah, I guess in the war of words... It's pretty clear that uh, Jones seems to get to D.C. in a way D.C. doesn't get to Jones. It seems like D.C. is this older guy who just can't believe this young whippersnapper, you know, says these. Gets away in his mind with irresponsibility and whatever else. But, yeah, it is definitely a case where. um in the war of words, DC appears to be on the losing end of things, but you know, Dillashaw was on the losing end of things versus Cruz. And, and you can make a case. Dillashaw won that fight. So I, I, everyone wants to talk about words and is he mentally broken and yada, yada. It's not something you want to dismiss, but it's, I, I'm a big believer in, you know, skills when fights for the most part. And, um, you know, mental warfare is a skill, but so is throwing a punch and hitting a takedown. Edgar versus Cruz at MSG. God, I would love that. I would love that. Pardon me. Oh, I want to die. I want to die. I want to die. All right. And I have to do a two-hour radio show after this, too. If Cruz beat Faber at UFC 199, okay, and McGregor, Mac Gregor, he writes does end up fighting Diaz at 200. Could we see Edgar drop down to 135 and challenge Cruz? I asked him about this. I asked Edgar about this very question. And I said, true or false, your UFC career will end before ever taking a bantamweight fight. (coughs) So I asked this to Frankie Edgar. Edgar said false. He didn't have any immediate plans for it. It was not something at the top of his mind. It was not something he was considering but he said he didn't want to close the door on a possible Bantamweight fight. I have to say, if there is some way to get a fight made between Dominic Cruz and Frankie Edgar, we should do that. Because that would be amazeballs. So it says, you, had, you tweeted that the MMA detractors in the New York Assembly had some valid concerns along with many ludicrous statements. In your opinion, what were some of the valid concerns about the nature of how money will be generated from the bill, um, how much ticket receipts, how much tax on broadcasts? I thought some of that deserved to be fleshed out and why was, those numbers were picked. Um, um You know, people look again if people have concerns about brain damage, we're gonna be like, Your concerns are stupid, like, they're not stupid, it's legitimate. A question about, you know, to what extent the insurance um, obligations would limit local promoters from being involved in ways that, um, you know, would have a are the insurance costs so great that local promoters can't get involved in ways that we want them to. So, so those kinds of things, the architecture of the bill, the, what the reason numbers were picked in the way that they were. And, you know, to what extent this does really make a claim about, to what extent is actually, you know, is this, is this activity something that, um, you know, absent regulation would go away. And the answer is no, it wouldn't. In fact, after, you know amateur MMA was essentially de facto legalized there's more MMA events in New York than ever when there's no regulation about it at all so this only tampers down on that actually it doesn't it doesn't increase it um but you know i think as a general rule if someone's got some health and safety concerns <coughs> those should those should be addressed those should be answered and yeah it's a violent sport people get hurt you know that, that's that's not a reason to um ban it because it's not clear that, that really helps the problem in any kind of real way but um but yeah Korean zombie. Uh, Two years is almost up. Any news on his return from military service? I have not heard anything. That's a good question. You can look into that. Someone says there's going to be a brand new commission in New York with zero experience. No, the regulatory authority will fall under um, the existing New York State Athletic Commission. Now, they might bring in some additional help to oversee it um to help with individual needs as it relates to mma and i suspect they'll be calling on jersey for some help but it's not a brand new commission there's already a commission in new york remember if i'm not mistaken pacquiao versus margarito was supposed to take place in new york and new york was like uh margarito your eye is a show we're not gonna let this bout go through and so bob aaron picked up the tent and moved it to texas uh so there is a commission in new york they regulate when Cotto fights at uh Msg. They might augment it to some extent, or they might not. They might um, they might fumble a little bit with it, but it's not a, it's not people who have no idea how to be a regulator. And also remember, for the amateur events, they're just going to be sort of overseeing the ISKA or the WKA, these third party sanctioning entities that oversee things. Someone's asking a question about deep half guard. Um, I can't answer that here because it's too long, the question, but we'll be happy to answer it later. Cyborg in the UFC 198 card. Look, have you heard anything about this possibility? And if she is, do you see the 135ers moving up to fight her, bringing in someone from the outside in Zufa? Um, they might bring in someone from the outside at first for this particular card because if this is going to be in Cur- Curitiba, it's more like a homecoming showcase. But again, anything's possible. They may not want to pull someone out of that bantamweight queue that now that the division's never been hotter. But um, I just want to point out: I said it on the MMA beat. I'm going to repeat it here. All that bull. ass Some of y'all were talking about this fight can only happen at 135. What a giant waste of time to get her to be a bantamweight when she was never going to be a bantamweight. She can't be a bantamweight. What a what a waste. Wasted all that time. When we could have had her in the UFC. And if she wasn't going to get the Rossi fight, fine, but you couldn't use her at all. I mean, it just makes no sense. It makes no sense. You've got this person who, I admit, does not fit the rigidity of the divisional model in which they currently operate, but she obviously has enough going for her in certain capacities that it makes sense to make some kind of accommodation for her. And you've got all these women bantamweight fighters who are all too eager to jump up five pounds um, to give her a run for her money. What a waste of time that was. no. no Nobody won. It made no sense. Vegas versus MSG. Now that they're in New York now that they're into New York, will the majority of the big shows still be in Vegas, You can we expect a good share of them to be in MSG? Vegas is always gonna be your de facto place for big for big events. They the UFC curries favor in the state by generating revenue there and that's what that's where they're based right they're based out of vegas it's a company there they want to be able to say as a company that does business in the state here's what we bring to the state so there's always going to be an impetus and a minimum amount of shows they're going to do in vegas but you know some of that will change at least a little bit potentially or certainly in um in 2017 2017 is going to be a big year for uh mma in new york which is good for me because i don't like going to vegas But I do love going to New York. All right, let's, it's two fifteen, so let's go to the Twitter machine if we can. All right, not sure if you can talk about Hawani leaving Fox. Nope, sure can't. Uh, MMA always had an ebb and flow, eras of great grapplers to great strikers. It seemed as though Connor and Holly were that new era until they were defeated. Your thoughts on that ebb and flow evolution in modern MMA. Yeah, but they weren't. I mean, I suppose Hollywood, a striking background, is a bit more um, a a fixture of that model. But I'm not sure McGregor was, even if he just prefers to strike. I, I, I don't see them as any kind of paradigm shift. I really don't. Luke, are you going to make it to the beat tomorrow? I am. Despite the fact that I feel like I am walking pneumonia, I am. If you had the book, what are your top three fights for MSG show? Uh top three fights would be Jones ooh, Jones at heavyweight versus somebody. Um if Weidman wins, I don't know why you don't just do the I don't know why you don't just do the rubber match or have him defend his title against Vitor or something. I don't know. Um title defense, not Vitor, but somebody else. And then um, then the return of Ronda Rousey. Or Edgar versus McGregor. Any of those will work. Is a unanimous decision a good one? The best way to determine who is the best fighter? I don't know if it's the best way, but it is an excellent way. Um, When you have 15 minutes or potentially 25 minutes of somebody clearly dominating somebody else in a variety of all their different games... You just begin to see that um, there's just no there's no denying somebody was better, in a in a, in a f- complete way. Will UFC ever do an outdoor stadium show in the U.S.? Maybe Yankee Stadium. With the rain, I don't know. Maybe. Doubt it. What would have happened if Frank Mir had never got? Uh, in the bike accident, if he never hit by the motorcycle, I don't know. That's a really tough question. You know, when he came back at first from that, he looked like garbage. He looked so bad. And then he slowly got better. Then he got really good again. He was really hot again. I mean, that win over Chicago at the time was a really big win. Um, the winner of Lesnar was big. Um, who was the It was another guy he commorted, I think, before that one he was like, I'm back. <coughs> Pardon me, guys. I'm so sorry. I know I'm terrible to listen to right now. It was the Hardonk win. Yeah, UFC 74. He had lost to Brandon Vera, and he had beaten Dan Christensen, but barely. And he had lost to Pedro Pono. Man, man, that was bad. Yeah, he was gone for two years almost. Almost gone for two years after he beat Tim Sylvia. Um, In the end, I don't know that it changed his legacy so much because he still wound up getting some big wins and some big fights. You know, um, He still wound up doing okay. It didn't really hold him back when all was said and done. Luke, what did you think of the NCAA Wrestling Championships? I thought they were fun. Are any of those guys going to make the jump directly to MMA upon graduation? I don't know. I meant to ask around, and I didn't. Any insight into Ariel leaving Fox? Nope. You guys, it's his business. If he wants to tell me about it, he will. If he doesn't, he won't. And uh, and that's going to be that. I am not, it is not my business. You share your thoughts on the whole Gawker Hulk Hogan lawsuit. Looks like you've been following it. Yeah, I have been following it, and I find it a joke, a complete joke. Everyone out here, look the the appeal the, the federal courts have already ruled that posting it was newsworthy. The uh, the and he, and he advertised it at length to TMZ and Howard Stern. This is clearly within, within First Amendment protections. Everyone's like, well, it was illegally obtained. You can publish things that have been illegally obtained depending on how you get it. Certainly you can, um, it, well, it depends how you get it, I suppose. But even then, um, they had a right to post it. There's no there's no crime related to them posting it. That's not what this is about. This is about a guy taking a trial, a jury trial, in, in a county in Florida in front of donks. And all this is about, look, Look, we can have a debate about whether or not um, you think it's ethical to post a sex tape under the conditions that they did. Um, Gawker maintains that this has nothing to do with any kind of privacy concerns that... And by the way, the initial attempt was not a privacy uh, concern that, Gaw- that, that Hulk Hogan had. It was a different kind of attempt. He had he had to switch over when that went nowhere to trying some bull s privacy law in Florida, but whatever. Gawker maintains that it's trying that it's him trying to suppress a videotape where he goes on a racist rant. Um, and that's all this was ever about, which I completely find a a, a reasonable thing. And everyone's like, "Look, I hate Gawker Media. All oh, Gawker Media says. I mean, they just they snark. They're the worst of the snark, and they say mean things about people and this, that, and the other. And you're right about that. They do. They have said really awful things about people, including the site." Um, I battled personally back in 08 with AJ Deloria about some some things he accused us of m- making up you know uh you're right when you say Gawker says snarky awful things about people I would never ever say otherwise and a lot of what they write is unfair and a lot of stuff they post is trash and they're professional scolds all they do is just lecture people all the time and he gets old man It gets really old so when this lawsuit came down And it was put before a jury, and it never should have gone to a jury. And you watch, Gawker's going to win on appeal. They're going to get any kind of fine reduced or might have the whole thing flipped over. You watch, I'm telling you. It's already been declared in federal court that Gawker posting that was uh, fair and newsworthy and deserving of First Amendment protections. Once it goes back to that, trust me, it's going to be fine. Once the appellate court hears it, this whole argument about this was not newsworthy, it's already been declared newsworthy, be it here nor there. This whole trial is about getting your average person on the street to say, don't you think the media is mean? Don't you think that poor, that poor old Hulk Hogan uh, is just the, 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 the victim here in a case where the media just doesn't know its limits? Don't you dislike the media? If you dislike the media, then you should say something about it. This is not. The jury there, they're not even in a position to weigh in on whether or not first amendment protections are relevant. In fact, it probably wasn't even part of their jury instructions. This is a matter about interpreting the, the privacy laws and that that Hogan claim were violated in the state. But um, this has nothing to do with the law, no matter which one you're trying to point out here. This has everything to do with the average person being angry at the media. And I understand being angry at the media. And I understand in particular being angry at Gawker media. Uh, I've been angry with them at times. However, I completely support their position. I hope that Hogan, who I in no way think is a victim here at all from this. I think he is a total fraud when it comes to this. This is my opinion. I think he's a complete fraud. And the fact of the matter is, an appellate court, Gawker's going to own him. You wait and see. This judgment that's been handed out for damages will be completely either reduced or thrown away. And more to the point, You need to be honest with yourself. If you're like, oh, man, I know everyone disagrees with me. I've been posting this on my Facebook page, and everyone's been disagreeing with me. And that's fine. You can disagree with me. But this has nothing to do with what you are interpreting about privacy law. This has everything to do with you don't like the media, and in particular, you don't like Gawker media, and you like seeing someone stick it to them. That's what this is about. That's what this whole thing is about. It's got nothing to do with anything else. And that's why he wanted to have a privacy uh, uh, claim uh, for damages and he wanted to do it for a jury trial, which it never should have been. Because the judge in that case is the one that represented Terry Shivo's parents and then got put in this on... Um on account of uh, Jeb Bush. In fact, on my radio show today, I'm having Noah Feldman. Noah Feldman is a professor at Harvard Law, a former Supreme Court justice clerk, a graduate of Harvard Law himself, who wrote an article on Bloomberg saying this is clearly and unequivocally, Gawker had every right to post this and watch them win on appeal. He will be on my radio show at 4, 420 today. So so you want to debate that, I encourage you to listen in to what he has to say. Um, but it just drives me crazy. If you think that the world of journalism is better, if Gawker goes away, you are kidding yourself. Yes, they post a lot of snark. And yes, they post a lot of hurtful, unfair things. And it's not the only ethically compromising thing they've ever published. When they outed Timothy Geithner's brother, who was the what was it, the CFO of Conde Nast magazine, as part of a gay blackmail scandal, Glenn Greenwald called that post deranged, and it was, he's right. That was completely deranged for them to publish that, and they lost um, some staffers as a consequence. I'm not defending their full record. What I am saying is Gawker Media goes after powerful figures absent this Hogan case. Forget about this for just a second. Absent this Hogan case, Gawker Media goes after powerful figures in ways I'm telling you other media companies do not and cannot. You don't want a world where Gawker doesn't exist. You don't win that way. Everyone's like, this is about checking m- big corporations. This is not a giant corporation. They're worth what 83 million. It's nothing. That's dust in the wind. That is so not it. What, what, what is Vox worth? Billions at this point? It's got, 83 million is nothing. It's absolutely nothing. This is not some giant Wall Street bank hammering people for subprime mortgages. You know, this has nothing to do with that. This is a guy in Hulk Hogan who I don't trust for two seconds, trying to get money um, uh, out of a corporation he thinks has some, or trying to cover his ass for a tape that was made of him saying awful things about black people, and nothing more, and nothing less. And he and he won in this particular case early because he asked a bunch of people not to weigh in on that question per se, but just to weigh in on the larger general anti media sentiment. And he won as a consequence. But when it goes back into the hands of adults who actually know and interpret the law and have the full body of evidence, including text messages between he and Bubba the Love Sponge, including, um, uh, that and more that indicates he well knew in advance that the tape existed and knew he was being filmed, then this is going to get overturned. But I just want to make this known that if you don't like Gawker, I get it. If you want to see Gawker taken down a peg, I understand, um, but if you think for two seconds Hulk Hogan is some victim here, what a joke. And what a joke it is that if you're if you're really thinking about this crucially, you need to ask yourself, how much of this is just my own anti-gawker sentiment affecting and coloring my overall decision about this? Because this is a clear case. I mean, crystal clear. The courts have already said it. And that wasn't a, a factor that the jurors knew because it was suppressed by the judge. Courts have already ruled it was newsworthy for them to publish that. End of argument. That's it. Sorry about that. I got on a rant. Did you watch the Your Fight pay-per-view with Roy Jones? I did not. I couldn't bring myself to, to watch it. Do you still want to see Connor versus RDA eventually or is that kind of a less exciting re- with the Nate result? Me personally, that was, um, <coughs> it's less appealing, but if Connor can beat Nate or go back on a win streak, if he can beat Edgar, I'd love to see it. I'm not ruling it out for forever. How close would JDS be to a title shot with a win over uh, Ben Rothwell? Unfortunately, not that far, but not that close either. So, excuse me, I should say fortunately not that far because I like JDS, but I'm really worried about his long-term health. I think many of you are the same. Have you heard the Edgar call-out of McGregor via song on his Facebook page? I have not. That's interesting. Will Bellator try to beat the UFC to an MMA event in New York with its legalization? I suspect that they will try. Yes. In fact, he said um, the UFC is much more about, oh, we'll be their fourth quarter, which includes the fall. Right, so um, October, November, December, right? Um, But Scott Coco was like, we'll be there in the fall. Fall to me is like September, October, so we'll see. How about this for a great striking match? Neil Magny versus Albert Tumanov. Man, that'd be a tough one. That'd be a tough one. Some MMA fans are saying, Paige Van Zant doing Dancing with the Stars was a bad move. How could that possibly be a bad move? You know how many people watch that show every every week? About 14 million. 14 million watch that a week. When did you join the navel-gazing MMA glitterati of New York? <laughs> uh, a long time ago. How are the state members elected through a Democratic election? Let's see who else we got here. Uh, seems to be about it. True or false? You will one day beat someone to death with a car antenna. Certainly hope. I hope I get away with it. Maybe if I go to a jury trial out in Florida, I'll be. I'll just say this guy was a member of the media. Don't you want to see the media taken down a peg? And people will appeal to their own hearts. They won't think rationally about these claims. They'll just appeals at their hearts and will say, yeah, the media says so many mean things. I would love to see them taken down a pick. And you got A.J. Delario who doesn't have anything in assets, $27,000 in student debt, and they want to give him a $100,000 fine. What creeps that jury is made out of? The, people, the last thing I want to say about this, people always like, well, how is that newsworthy? Newsworthy does not mean some frontline investigation. Newsworthy is not, not an elite standard. It's a bottom line standard. And the bottom line standard has already been established in court, and that evidence was not given to the jurors. What? Last one here. Does Conor McGregor have a manager? I don't know. Good question. It's a question I'll ask Ariel tomorrow. He, He probably knows. Could you make a case that Misha Tate will be the greatest female MMA fighter of all time rather than Ronda or Cyborg? No. But if she beats Ronda, she will be in the the running. She'll certainly be in contention for it. All right, I have to go. Guys, uh, in an hour and a half, I will be on the air. I will be on my radio show, uh, the Luke Thomas show, Sirius XM 93. Please have a look. Uh, I'm going to have... Noah Feldman to talk about Hulk Hogan versus Gawker, the Harvard Law Scholar. Then I'm going to have Chris Weidman at five, former UFC middleweight champion. And then Jim Jania, who has been one of the two most prominent journalists who have covered that New York uh, MMA beat for the last innumerable amount of years on to talk about his experiences covering that beat and and, and how we got to today. So uh, 4 p.m. m 93. Uh, I really appreciate you listening. All right. I have to go give it a thumbs up, share the video. Thank you so much for watching. I'm so sorry I've been so sick and awful to look at and listen to. I tried my best. I'll see you guys next week. Stay frosty.